Hello, this is Brendan O'Shea and I'm delighted to welcome you to my archive. Here you'll discover a collection of my interviews, podcasts, radio documentaries and features. For more content, visit intrepidear.org. Thanks for your interest. Today we meet the author John Boyne. I wanted the characters not to be caricatures, not to be something that I'd, I'd seen in movies. I wanted them to be real people. You know, for Bruno's father to absolutely believe in what he's doing. For Bruno's mother to be really ambivalent about it, to enjoy her place in society, but to be human, to think, but I don't know, I don't know, is this right? And for Bruno to just be a real little boy. And I was a real little boy, so I figure I could do that. Born in Dublin in 1971, John Boyne studied English literature at Trinity College in that city and creative writing at the University of East Anglia, where he was awarded the Writing Fellowship for 2005. Boyne's first novel, The Thief of Time, was published in the year 2000, and this was followed by titles that include The Congress of Rough Riders, Crippen, and due for release in 2008, Mutiny on the Bounty. John Boyne's novel The Boy in the Striped Pyjamas, which was first published in 2006, has gained much worldwide attention. Although originally Boyne conceived it for young readers, it quickly found an audience with both adults and children and has now been published in 18 languages. The Boy in the Striped Pyjamas tells the story of a very special friendship between two boys, one called Bruno, who is the son of a German Nazi officer, and a Jewish boy called Schmuel, who, together with his family, is imprisoned in Auschwitz. While the boys' lives and circumstances couldn't be more different, their meeting results in a friendship that has devastating consequences. The boy was smaller than Bruno and was sitting on the ground with a forlorn expression. He wore the same striped pyjamas that all the other people on that side of the fence wore and a striped cloth cap on his head. He wasn't wearing any shoes or socks and his feet were rather dirty. On his arm he wore an armband with a star on it. Bruno was sure he had never seen a skinnier or sadder boy in his life but decided he had better talk to him. I've been exploring, he said. Have you? said the little boy. Yes, for almost two hours now. Have you found anything? asked the boy. Very little. Nothing at all. Well, I found you, said Bruno after a moment. He sat down on the ground on his side of the fence and crossed his legs like the little boy and wished he'd brought some chocolate with him or maybe a pastry they could share. John Boyne reading there from The Boy in the Striped Pyjamas. Well, this book has recently been published in Germany, and at a reading here, I met John Boyne and asked him firstly about how an Irish author came to write about Germany and the Holocaust. Yes, well, I, I am Irish, but one of the things that maybe makes me stand out a little bit from some other Irish writers is the fact that of the six novels I've written, none of them have actually been set in Ireland, and none of them have any Irish characters. I tend to explore other countries and a lot of historical events in my fiction. So with this book, you know, I had for a good 
10, 15 years, I had been quite a student of Holocaust-related literature and had read an awful lot about it and was very interested in it. And I had read it just as a, as a layperson, really, not with an intention of writing anything myself. But I think, you know, the idea for the book came to me and it seemed like a story that I could write. It seemed like a story that maybe nobody had written before, this idea of the, of the little Jewish boy and the little German boy. And really writing about the things that connect them rather than the things that divide them. So, I mean, it wasn't the easiest book in the world to write, and it certainly wasn't easy to rewrite because I had to to really make a lot of decisions about the way I wanted to explore the subject. And, you know, to do it sensitively, to, to, to not trivialise it, but also to, you know, to recognise that these two boys are both innocents, they're both victims of what's going on, and, and really to just try and tell a story from that. Indeed you do, and, and indeed the story is very moving, very touching, and you know, there's this whole debate as to whether it's an adult book or a children's book. Um, do you believe there is such a thing as a children's book? I don't anymore. When I gave the book first to my agent to read, I presented it as a children's book. And when it was, I mean, the first publication of the book was in the UK and Ireland, and, and then it was published in, its, in the first form as a children's book. But as time has gone on, and as it's been published in other countries around the world, what I have found is that in some countries it's published as a kid's book and some as an adult's and in some as both. At home it's published as both. Just two different jackets really with the same story. And over the course of two years really talking about the book and, and as you say visiting festivals and talking to readers, I have certainly lost interest in those kind of definitions. You know, I just see it as a book and not as any particular genre. There's a book that Bruno reads during this novel which is Treasure Island and I spent seven years working in a bookshop and during those years, people would come in, ask for Treasure Island, and they'd never know whether it was in the children's section or the adult section. And it should be in neither. It's just a book. So I, I guess my, my hope is that this book has become just a book and not for any specific audience. I live in the house on this side of the fence, said Bruno. Do you? I saw the house once from a distance, but I didn't see you. My room is on the first floor, said Bruno. I can see right over the fence from there. I'm Bruno, by the way. I'm Shmuel, said the little boy. Bruno scrunched up his face, not sure he'd heard the boy right. What did you say your name was, he asked. Shmuel, said the little boy, as if it was the most natural thing in the world. I've never heard of that name, said Bruno. But I like the way it sounds when I say it. It sounds like the wind blowing. Bruno, said Shmuel, nodding his head happily. Yes, I think I like your name too. It sounds like someone who's rubbing their arms to keep warm. I've never met anyone called Shmuel before, said Bruno. There are dozens of Shmuels on this side of the fence, said the little boy. Hundreds, probably. I wish I had a name all my own. Well, without giving too much away, let's look a little bit at the chief protagonist, of course, Bruno himself. Bruno's idea of the world and his home in Berlin and then, of course, being taken away to this place that we learn in the long run is, of course... Auschwitz. allows me as a reader, I thought, to basically see how children are and how they change in their observations. And, and then, of course, this wonderful grandmother who seems to be the artist in the family, but also the only person who's really capable of speaking her mind and saying what she thinks. Bruno's mother doesn't seem to do that. Tell us about Bruno and where you think he might have come from and the sorts of things you might have done to Bruno in those rewrites. Yeah, that's true. I mean, writing Bruno and rewriting Bruno was a great challenge. And I really like the character of Bruno because he's a good boy. He's a decent, honest little kid. Um, but he's not a saint. 
You know, there are moments in the book where he, for example, where he betrays his friendship with Shmuel because he's afraid. Um, and when he does that, he has to apologize. He goes and apologizes for it because he, he values his friendship. They have one thing in common, which is they've both been taken away from their homes. They've both been brought uh, to a place they don't want to be. They're both nine years old. They've both lost all their friends. All they have for company is each other. So each one fulfills a certain role for the other one in their lives. But they don't really understand it. I mean, Shmuel, I think, is smarter than Bruno. Bruno has lived a very closeted life, and he doesn't really understand what's going on. And he worships his father, he idolizes him. As the novel progresses, Bruno does start to see that there might be more going on here than meets the eye. I mean, one of the criticisms which I faced about the book is that Bruno is too naive and he's too innocent, and why wouldn't he know what's going on? And my feeling about that has always been that he's grown up in a house where his father has always been a soldier. There's always been soldiers going to and fro. There's no particular reason why he would wake up one day and say, why are you a soldier? You know, it's, it's just part of his everyday life. But as his time in the house beside the camp develops, he starts to realize that perhaps his father is not the hero that he thinks he is. He looks at people like Pavel, the, the, who is a, a Jewish character who's brought over to be a waiter, to peel vegetables in the commandant's house and who Bruno likes, and who he realizes has more in his past than just being somebody who peels vegetables for, for a living. And, and because of that, you know, he, he starts to open his mind to the world and to see what's really going on. And, and you refer to Bruno's grandmother, actually, and Bruno's grandmother, for me, is um, one of the most important characters in the book, even though she's in very, very little of it, because I was very keen, when writing this book, to represent all sides of the characters that existed at the time. And Bruno's grandmother represents those people who did actually have the, the courage and the guts to stand up and say, no, this should not be happening, and this is wrong. She's the only adult in the book who's brave enough to do that. And of course, you know, because of that, she's silenced quite early on. But I, I think maybe the question for readers at the end of the book is, had the story ended differently, would Bruno have become like his father or become like his grandmother? And you'd like to think he'd become like his grandmother, but the suspicion is he'd probably become more like his, his father. You know, these children do develop as the novel goes on, I think, and do start to open their minds, one to good and one to bad. How does an Irishman get into the skin of a young German in the 1930s and 40s? I think the challenge was not to get into the skin of a young German, but to get into the skin of a, a young boy to remember what it was like to be nine, to kind of understand some of the things that are going on in the world, but not others. I mean, yeah, Bruno is German. It's not his, his main characteristic in a way. I mean, even though this book is set during a very specific time in a very specific place, I think there's a certain ethereal quality to it in the sense that there's very few characters. Um, there's, there's only about six or seven people who actually speak during the book. And, and everybody who's there is there for a very specific reason. So it's, it's quite a small story set in quite a big event. So I, I think I just try to remember what it was like to be that young and that innocent. And, and that's scared at times because Bruno is scared by Lieutenant Kotler, for example. He, he loves his parents. He gets lonely. He gets sad. He cries. He has all those human emotions that, that children have. And I, I wanted him to be a very real child, not to be some sort of caricature. There's a lot of fiction and, and film and so on about set during the, the war. And I, I always remember a phrase that Steven Spielberg used after he made um, Schindler's List, referring back to his Indiana Jones movies, where he said he didn't want to make any more movies with cartoon Nazis. And that's what I was very concerned about. You know, I wanted the characters not to be 
caricatures, not to be something that I'd, I'd seen in movies. I wanted them to be real people. You know, for Bruno's father to absolutely believe in what he's doing. For Bruno's mother to be really ambivalent about it, to enjoy her place in society, but to be human, to think, but I don't know, I don't know, is this right? And for Bruno to just be a real little boy, and I was a real little boy, so I, fig I figure I could do that. There are a number of things, of course, that come to mind in, in, in all of this, but you, of course, have mentioned already you've brought this story all over the world and you've presented it to Jewish audiences all over the world. This is the first time you've presented it to a German audience. Do you fear that in any sort of way? I can't pretend I'm not a little nervous. I'll be, I suppose, meeting audiences later today. And, but again, I went through that when I went to America particularly and went to a lot of Jewish community centres and uh, Jewish festivals and spoke there. And in advance of that thinking, you know, is this audience going to say, who are you? What right do you have? But actually, in that situation, I found that people felt very much that the important thing was that these stories would keep getting told. I mean, over the last two years, there's been both this book and I think The Book Thief by Marcus Suzak, you know, have, have really raised the issue of talking about the Holocaust for children, opening their minds to it. And I think if you do it in in a careful way, which I've tried to do and which Marcus did, then I don't think you're going to face as much criticism. You know, I think if you're honest in what you're doing and it's not a cynical enterprise, it's not a way of being insensitive or trivialising things, then I think it will, it's going to be okay, you know. And I felt that with the Jewish audiences. I expect some people to have concerns and questions about the book that they want to ask, and this is the perfect time. I'm the author, I'm there, I'm willing to answer them. But as I say, you know, I set out to write a book which had real characters in it and which wasn't going to... Nobody needs an author of a book to tell them that the Nazis were bad, you know. I didn't want to preach, you know, and I didn't want to be holier than thou. I just wanted to tell a story, and that's what a fiction writer is about. It's about telling a story. And I think because I've pretty much been on the road for two years with this book, it feels to me that in some way that's what I've done. You know, I've just told a story that's encouraged a debate, which is much broader and much bigger than this little book that I've written. And I'm just happy to be part of it. Thank you for visiting my archive. For more interviews, podcasts, radio documentaries and features, please drop by intrepidia.org.